Welcome to the Reality Taboo Podcast, where no topic is off limits. I'm your host, Jeff. Joining me is my co-host, Ness. It's January 12th, 2024, the eve of the Iowa Republican caucuses. That's the topic of the show this week. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Before we get into today's topic, we're going to revisit what we were talking about last week. Uh, I have a, a an apology, a correction to make. I had errantly asserted that Claudine Gay was going to take a pay cut. It turns out she's just losing her, her title, but she's still retaining her professorship, so she's still going to make $900,000 plus a year. Um, so landing on her feet would be an understatement. She really wasn't ever knocked off balance to begin with. Um, related to that, too, Bill Ackman, the one who has uh, really been the force, the driving force behind having her removed, and he's now on the war path to get the other college presidents removed and really has expanded this this battle and taken it to um, academia writ large, specifically the Ivy Leagues and the, the, the West Coast top schools um, for plagiarism ostensibly, but really... The way I view it, I, I think if we if we look through a frames of frame of elite theory, Bill Ackman may be on the cusp of becoming what is deemed a counter elite. So elite theory, very briefly, is the theory of state action that presumes that popular will, popular sovereignty, democracy, essentially is just window dressing that doesn't matter, and what moves things are. Elites who have access to power networks and elites who have physical resources at their disposal. So um, a, a counter elite that everyone would, would recognize uh, intuitively at this point in time would probably be Elon Musk. Uh, Peter Thiel be, before him in the mid-2010s. Uh, but Elon Musk has really taken that to the next level uh, by taking over Twitter and and amplifying positions and viewpoints that prior to his takeover of Twitter would not have even been allowed on Twitter. And now these are accounts that he is engaging with and putting on blast through retweets, etc. I'm not saying for sure that Bill Ackman is a counter elite. Uh, he's a big Democratic donor. He has worked at hedge funds for most of his, his career. And he's in that very culturally... Uh, mainstream left neoliberal milieu, but it, it looks like maybe October 7th and the events surrounding it have flipped a switch inside of him that has sent him, him on the war path. And so I think, although it'll make a lot of people recoil who are probably listening to this and are generally sympathetic with our overall viewpoint to, to give him the potential benefit of the doubt, I think he may end up being uh, one of the new counter elites. And if we are going to see any sort of shakeup in the cultural landscape, it's going to require a, a team of counter elites more or less on the same page or at least united in their opposition to the ruling zeitgeist, the ruling ethos. And so I think Bill Ackman may be one of those people that we're seeing manifest right before our eyes now. I agree that October 7th appears to have changed Bill Ackman's outlook, and I think he's representative of a lot of American Jews. As I mentioned last week, I feel like October 7th opened the eyes of American Jews to uh, what the DIE framework is going to actually mean for them. I think a lot of Jews thought that they would benefit from that and they would be put into the 
oppressed category rather than the oppressor. And I think they're realizing through the really uh, intense backlash against Israel and, and what they're doing in, uh, in Gaza, I think they're realizing that most non-whites see them as privileged white people. And I think Bill Ackman is, is realizing that. Yeah, from the non-white perspective, it's not that Jews are the victim of white supremacy. The Jews are like the ultimate white supremacists because they have better life outcomes by every metric in terms of stable family life, uh, educational attainment, income, longevity, health outcomes, with the exception of some rare genetic diseases, health outcomes, et cetera, et cetera, that put them above whites on average and and above non-Jewish whites. And another example, too, we just saw that South Africa filed uh, genocide action against Israel in the International Court of Justice. It'll be interesting to see if the new Ackman position prevails. Uh, I'm skeptical. We see the counter to that, the more historical Jewish orientation towards die. In the open letter this week from some 250 Jewish celebrities complaining about Jews being excluded from the Motion Picture Academy's representation and inclusion standards, the reaction of many has been to scoff at the idea that Jews are underrepresented in entertainment of all industries. But I think they're missing the point. It's the fact that Jews are so overrepresented in entertainment that makes these standards pernicious from their point of view. If there aren't enough non-whites involved in a project, whites have to be cut out of it. But white Gentiles don't have anything like the kind of per capita representation that white Jews do. If Jews don't get to count as non-white, then it will be to a large extent the reason there won't be enough non-whites involved in the project. That's because too many Jews are involved. An obvious way to get in line with the inclusion standards will be to cut Jews out. Jewish overrepresentation can't survive the push for proportional representation among non-whites. It can only survive if Jews are counted as non-white. That's what this is about. It's about protecting Jewish overrepresentation in the guise of remedying non-white underrepresentation. I think someone like Ackman might realize how difficult that is going to be to thread that needle in the future. It's becoming more and more difficult by the day. And so I, I think people like him are seeing where this road ends and it's in a situation that that will not be good for what he perceives as his own interest and increasingly the the interests of Jews may may be indistinguishable from the interests of non-Jewish whites and I should point out well I think this is the primary reason for the push we shouldn't lose sight of the implications for the broader cultural landscape of allowing institutions to meet their dire objectives by bringing in high-functioning, high-achieving Jews in a manner similar to what they do with Asians in tech and similar industries. All right, Ness, well, if you're ready, come with me into the tunnels. We're going to go into Iowa, move on to our main topic. What's on that mattress? So we're recording this on Friday night. The caucuses are on Monday. Ness, what are you looking for? What, what are your predictions? What, what should we be paying attention to? It'll be interesting to see if Trump is able to perform equal to what polling shows he's going to perform at. Uh, In 2016, he underperformed pretty significantly in Iowa. The polls had him up by almost five points on the eve of the Iowa caucuses, and he ended up losing by three points to Ted Cruz. So it was like an eight-point swing uh, where Trump had a, a polling premium, where polling made it look like Trump was going to do considerably better than what he had done, which is an interesting 
thing to point out because generally the assumption is that there's some sort of shy Trump voter phenomenon, even in the Republican Party, that causes Trump to overperform his polling. But when it comes to Iowa, at least in 2016, he drastically underperformed it. Um, that being said, there's just, the gap is so wide. Um, the, the most recent RCP <coughs> average shows Trump winning by 35 points uh, with Haley and DeSantis neck and neck in a very distant second. So even if something similar to what happened in 2016 happens in 2024, we're looking at a Trump victory of close to 30 points, uh, 27 points to be exact. The metric that the media will probably want to use will be the 50% threshold. If Trump is able to come in over 50%, it's going to be really hard to spin as anything other than a decisive Trump victory. But I think if he comes in under 50%, then the narrative will be, well, it's, it's Trump versus the anti-Trump, and there'll be a big push to knock out all of all but one person, all but Nikki Haley, uh, to step aside to try to turn it into a two-person race. Another factor that could potentially cause Trump to underperform polling expectations is that there's been a somewhat of a push from uh, neoliberal, neoconservative establishment figures to have to urge uh, Iowans who are Democrats or independents to register as Republican, which you can do the night of the caucus because the Democratic caucus is a month down the road and it doesn't matter because that's already a foregone conclusion to uh, switch to Republican and, and vote for Nikki Haley. So that's another thing that might, might shrink the, uh, the or might shrink the actual results relative to what the polling shows. So you think Trump is clearly going to win. Do you think anything else interesting is going to happen uh, next week, shortly after the, the caucuses? Is anybody else going to drop out? Vivek's self-financed. He's not going anywhere. Uh, the push will be, especially if DeSantis doesn't come in second, if he comes in third place from the establishment, will get will be to get him to, to step aside and, and really cut the political losses from what has to be one of the most staggering self-inflicted political wounds that I can think of seeing in my, my lifetime, which is Ron DeSantis' really ill-advised campaign for the presidency that has taken him from being the presumed successor of Trump's MAGA movement into sort of a laughing stock. Um, he still has pretty good numbers among Republicans in terms of support, but it's it's a shadow of, of Trump's support, and he doesn't have... He doesn't gain any support that Trump doesn't get, but he also loses a lot of support that Trump does get. And so he's in a situation now where he just has nowhere to go but back to Florida for four years. And anything can happen in, in politics, especially in, in late stage imperial decline. But it seems to me that his presidential ambitions are probably dashed indefinitely after this. The goodwill he'd engendered from his COVID response has uh, evaporated. It's very much um, short attention span America. It's what have you done for me lately? And the answer seems to be not much other than potentially try to derail Trump. I guess we should mention Chris Christie, not even including him in the running, which whether or not he had dropped out would be the right approach to take since he never had a snowball shot in hell. But he has officially dropped out and uh, some YouGov polling makes it clear as to, as to why that was the case. We say that he, he really never had a chance. 
uh, net favorability among Republicans. We're going to go through the net favorability among Republicans. That's the percentage of Republicans who have a favorable opinion of a person, the candidate, and subtracted from that the percentage of respondents who have a negative opinion of the candidate. So we have Trump at, at plus 68, DeSantis at plus 56, Haley at plus 26, Vivek at plus 20, and among Republicans, Chris Christie, Chris Christie at negative 38. And as unpopular as he is among Republicans, I mean, that's like Mitch McConnell level of of unpopularity among his own party. As unpopular as he is, he, he doesn't make any of that up with independents. So among independents, the same net favorability. All the Republican candidates are in negative territory, but Trump comes in at negative 13, Vivek at negative 14, Haley at negative 15, DeSantis at negative 20, and Chris Christie at negative 25. The only relative support he has is among Democrats. So the same figures uh, among Democratic poll respondents. Christie comes in best among Republican candidates with a negative 20. Haley next at negative 32, Vivek at negative 38, DeSantis at negative 55, and Trump at negative 71. So that might be another reason that uh, de- that Christie decided to drop out ahead of Iowa, is if the push here among the establishment is to try to get those Democrats to switch over and participate in the Republican caucus to try to to swing the outcome, they might have been more likely to have gone to Chris Christie if he was still around. Uh, but now that that he'll be out of the way, Nikki Haley will be the one most likely to garner their support. As interesting as the Iowa caucuses are and all the stuff that goes along with it, I can't help but think it's somewhat pointless in comparison to what's happening at the southern border. The numbers are absolutely staggering. Um, few data points I found. Encounters at the southwest border in fiscal year 2023 increased over 40% since fiscal year 2021 and more than 100% compared to 2019. And since Biden took office, there have been 7.5 million encounters nationwide and 6.2 million encounters at the southwest border and there's 1.7 million known gotaways. So who knows what the actual number is? The, it's millions and millions of people who are flooding into this country. You hear stories in major cities, New York City, Chicago, just they're, they're being overwhelmed. They're putting uh, illegal immigrant children into schools. It's just overloading the infrastructure. Many of them don't speak English, so they're having to find people who can teach in their language. They're going to be on government programs. We don't have the money to pay for any of this, and I'm sure that these people eventually will be able to vote, and they're certainly not going to vote Republican. And even if Trump were to take office, he says that he's going to initiate a huge deportation force, but I just don't see that actually happening. So at best, he might be able to slow down the flood a bit, but will he stop it in any meaningful way? I don't think so. And so every time I start thinking about issues like the election and the caucuses, I I just get this feeling in my in my gut that it makes me think it's it's almost kind of pointless and it feels silly to even talk about uh, when you have this just invasion happening constantly at the border, 
and nobody in the position to do anything about it seems to to have the will to stop it. It's, and I don't know if it, it, it if it's more infuriating that this is a problem that could easily be solved. It's not a complicated issue. There don't there doesn't even need to be new laws that are passed. It's just enforcing the existing laws. It's not a complicated thing. Um, what do you think, Ness? It's not perceived as a problem. That's that's the issue. Of course, it could could be solved if there was the will to solve it. But it's a a feature rather than a bug of the current system for a whole host of reasons. Many that will be familiar to our readers here. You were alluding to earlier how it it seems like the caucuses are kind of silly and and they don't really matter. And I think at two levels that that is applicable. At a shallower level, just strictly in the political sense, it doesn't really matter because the caucuses and the primaries are ostensibly democratic processes and the clear outcome of anything that even comes close to representing democratic will of Republican primary and caucus voters is going to be Donald Trump as the nominee. So if that is allowed to occur, then then none of this really matters because we know going in that absent some sort of intervention from the system, he's going to win. And if he's not allowed to run, well, then it's, it's not legitimate in the first place. So whatever goes on on caucus night is not going to be what knocks him out of the running. It's going to be something else, uh, a legal issue, uh, poisoning, assassination, the RCP refusing to allow him to uh, be awarded the delegates at the Republican convention, even though he has the, the vast majority of the delegate pledge support based on what happens in the caucuses and the primaries. But at a broader civilizational level, it, it's, it's hard to see that it matters in light of what you were talking about, Jeff. Um, the country that Iowa caucus goers are deliberating over politically is not the country of the future. That country is being forged by the massive demographic transformation that the landmass is experiencing now and that there is no political will from any direction, any corner to stop. As if there wasn't enough instability created by millions of illegal aliens flooding into the country and disappearing to God knows where, the American citizens don't uh, don't even have confidence in the legitimacy of our system. And I think you looked at some, some data on that point. Yeah, 2016 wasn't legitimate. Um, 2020 wasn't legitimate. There's large swaths of the population that believe each of those things. Um, that same YouGov poll that we alluded to earlier has numbers on the percentage of respondents who did not believe that Biden legitimately won in 2020. So after all of the the January 6th stuff and the, the perpetual allusions to misinformation and, and conspiracy theories and how the Trump election fraud claims had been shown to be just that, totally fraudulent, et cetera, et cetera. We're still left with 35% of Americans, so more than one in three, almost 40%. And YouGov tends to oversample Democrats, oversample independents, and undersample Republicans. So we're looking at close to 40% of American citizens believing that Biden didn't win legitimately in 2020. And conversely, we have 40% believing that Trump should be in, is, is ineligible to run for president and should not be allowed 
to run. And so the conclusion from that is if he does win, then he is illegitimate because he should have been ineligible to run in the first place. So we have 40% of the population thinking Biden didn't win in 2020, and we'll probably think the same if Biden wins in 2024 or is declared the winner in 2024. And 40% of the population that seeing thinks Trump should not be allowed to win, and if he does win, then that will also be illegitimate. That simply is an untenable situation in a... a a system that's allegedly Democratic or representative Republican. As we wrap up now, let's make some predictions about what's going to happen on Monday because predictions are, are hard, especially about the future, but they're also fun. Jeff, what do you think? How are the percentages going to shake out? Well, Asa Hutchinson is, Hutchinson is still in this thing, so I really feel like he's going to pull ahead and he's going to win this thing. Everything about him is stupid, even his name. Arkansas is a beautiful state, though. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm going to go pretty close with the RCP average. However, I'm going to bump Trump up a little bit. I This is m- mostly just subjective. I saw Trump uh, on a town hall earlier this week. It's the first time I've watched him uh, much in the past two, three years, since probably since 2020. And I was surprised. He's still got that magnetism. He's still got that charisma. It doesn't seem, unlike his opponent, uh, it doesn't look like he's lost any mental acuity. Um, so the I'm going to say that Trump is going to overperform slightly. So I'm going to put him at 56%. I'm going to put Haley at 15 I'm going to put DeSantis 14 Ramaswamy probably, unfortunately, will underperform a little bit. I'm going to put him at... 5.5 and good old Hutchinson hey maybe he'll break 0.5 maybe we'll get half a percentage figures don't necessarily have to add up to 100% um, I, I think Asa is going to get 0.0% and it'll be well deserved uh, as I alluded to earlier I, I, I think Trump is probably going to fall just under that 50% mark I think it'll be close it'll come in at 48 49% and that'll be the story that'll try to be spun, uh, I, I do think Nikki Haley with the last the, the, the money push at the end and, and the notoriety and the attention that she's receiving, I think she's going to do a little bit better than what the polling is showing. Also, it's worth noting that the Midwest is experiencing a real cold snap at the moment. Uh, Des Moines forecast for Monday, the night of the caucuses, the high for the day is negative 2 degrees Fahrenheit, and the low is negative 13. So it's going to be brutal weather that's going to keep... Uh, a lot of casual participants away and the presumption among a lot of people is that Trump's going to win comfortably. So if you're a, a Trump supporter and you don't want to go out and brave the, those cold temperatures, then you, you you stay home. You don't go through the caucus process. Which we didn't really mention the, the difference between caucuses and primaries. Most people are, who follow politics are, are relatively familiar with them, but for our purposes here, one of the big differences is that caucuses take a lot longer Participants have to go. They have to listen to representatives of each candidate speak, and then they have to go through the voting process afterwards. So it's it's a multiple-hour affair. It's not just swinging by, uh, waiting in line behind a couple people and talking to a nice elderly lady who gives you your ballot and explains to you what you already know how to fill out, and then you're on your way five minutes later. This is something that, that takes a real commitment of time. And so that will also work in Haley's favor by depressing Trump's turnout a bit. 
I think that DeSantis is going to perform about where RCP has him. So I, I think Haley will come in in the low to mid-20s. I think DeSantis will hit 15. And this is perhaps wishful thinking on my part, but Vivek has been spending more time than anyone else on the ground in Iowa. So if, if he can hit 10%, I think that will be a victory for him. And, and that's what I'm going to optimistically predict. And that'll wrap it up for now. We'll know in a few days what the outcome is, and we will likely revisit this topic in a week. Thanks for listening to the Reality Taboo podcast. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and stay tuned. Uh, as much as we enjoy the current events and covering the political circus, we do have some more evergreen topics, philosophy, religion, things along those lines that, uh, that we have planned. So stay tuned. Yeah, it'd be very easy to devote all of the next year to the political circus we're going to be subjected to, but we pledge not to do that to you. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later.